<laughs> my name is Daniel Patrick, and you know my clean date is uh, March seventh, two thousand seventeen, and you know coming up on three years, and every single moment I have to thank for you know just somebody else spreading their message and it connecting with me, and I heard something that clicked, and I just chased it, and didn't really know where it was gonna go, but I liked the person who I saw Sharon and liked what he had, and if he could do it, I could do it, and I've done it. And anybody can do it. You just have to want it. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. Uh, here to support people in recovery and those who have family members in recovery. Um, this is through Portland Community College uh, Business Communications class. And uh, we're just exploring um, our stories and how we got here today. Um, First-hand experience. I'm Austin. I am 24 years old. I'm a student at PCC. I've been sober for about a year. I'm Daniel, and I'm also in the business communications class, and I'm 35 years old, and just going for a two-year business degree, and yeah, just here to share my experience, strength, and hope. Awesome. Tell us a little about your story, Daniel. All right. Um, my name is Daniel Patrick, and um, I was born in Northwest Washington, D.C. on May 10th, 1984. And I grew up in a in a good household. I have um, a very loving mother who's a teacher and a father who's an attorney and owns his own brokerage firm. And just, you know, I have a, a sibling, an older sister. And we were raised, you know, in a normal household, good family. Um, everybody worked, you know, then have dinner with the family and did family events and stuff. So I wasn't like, you know, like beaten or anything crazy when I was younger. I, it was pretty normal household. And then, um, like, my parents got divorced when I was two and um, moved away. My dad moved away, and so I only got to see him every now and then. And But um, really, like, the problems didn't really arise for me until I was about 15 or so, 14, 15. And um, my mom had gotten this boyfriend, and he was really kind of verbally abusive to my mom and my sister and like physically abusive to my mom, my sister and me. And he was just, a, he was a dirty cop. Like anybody could be, like everybody has a couple different sides, but he was um, a dirty cop for Baltimore City Police and he used to take evidence home and narcotics and guns and all different types of stuff. And it was just really tough growing up and always just coming home. I, I'd rather not come home sometimes from school because it would just be yelling and fighting and it that's like this normal household like turned into a broken home real quick and it was really tough on me and my sister and you know when at school I used to always just like go to school and come home but a couple days went by and I I saw these kids and they were just you know smoking smoking cigarettes and like not going back to class when they were supposed to and I thought it was really cool. And after school, they were always hanging out and always like going off into the woods and hiking around. And it seemed like it was way more fun than going home and doing with what I was doing with. So I went off into the woods a couple times and just smoked cigarettes and, you know, drank a little bit, but not really much and not, not really anything to really feel anything. But, you know, I loved it. I, I thought that I was, I thought I'd found. You know, like, that's what I'm going to do with for the rest of my life. I, I'd be totally content with that. 
and you know thought it was the life for me of just you know flaking off things and you know only really doing me and only worrying about me and like now of course I, <laughs> I realize how big a mistake that was but at the time you know I just was so caught up in it and just that relief that I was feeling I, I didn't really care about anything else and I didn't really see anything else my focus was elsewhere so I um yeah I got into and it slowly progressed from just smoking cigarettes and drinking like sharing a pint with you know a couple friends you know to getting a whole pint for myself and stealing my uh, parents liquor from their liquor cabinet and like stealing beers from my dad's house if I was over there and you know making up stories like oh I need to get to school at a certain hour I have these after school activities or that I was in sports when I was never in sports well until like later on in high school but saying that I was in sports and doing sports when I wasn't and like um yeah just everything progressed so quickly and I went just I started missing things with the family and family showed up for a school event that was like a sports event, like a basketball tournament or whatever. And they're like, why weren't you playing? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, well, I, I I wasn't able to play because I was late or something like that and just make some stupid excuse. And just, yeah, it just escalated very quickly. And then throughout high school, as I continued, it just got worse and worse until like I got, you know, pulled over when I was driving and I got pulled over and I got a DUI because I, I was drunk driving and I had like a fist of um, oh, Jägermeister <laughs> and that shit was just in my cup holder and yeah and I, I just didn't even see anything wrong with it at that time I was still blinded you know when that happened you know most people would probably be like oh gosh like that's terrible and you know having my parents pick me up from jail and give me this long silent ride home and I was so disappointed in myself, but, you know, like, I didn't even care. I couldn't wait to get back out there and to do, you know, something else. And just, and even that wasn't enough. I was like, well, at least I'm, I always, like, justified it. Like, well, at least I'm not in prison. Well, at least I, you know, at least I'm not, you know, shooting up drugs or something. At least I'm not, you know, smoking crack or whatever. But, you know, as, as school pro progressed, as I got older and life progressed, I just, you know, started doing more and more. And, you know, like the grades started to slip. Like I was lying to my family all the time. I was lying to my friends. And it was just, you know, this kind of, I was kind of like a model kid at school for a little bit and like started the chess club and this kind of big nerdy kid. But, you know, I stopped doing after school activities and stopped like participating in the school. And everybody saw it and so, um, like, right after high school, um, I actually went with my parents and agreed to go to, like, an institution, a uh, rehab. And so I went to this 30-day rehab, and, yeah, it just, it was, it was okay. Like, the whole time, I was just talking to my girlfriend at the time while I was there, and I really wasn't doing anything that they suggested and just was kind of telling them what they wanted to hear so I could get that back out there and do what I was doing, what I loved to do, which was just escape life, was to not deal with life or deal with anything in life. And it was, you know, it was so, I was so lost and, you know, but I was so full, fully certain that I wasn't lost, that I could just do whatever I wanted to do. And like, I was never really going to get in big trouble for it. Like 
I volunteered to go to the rehab, like, you know, it was, and it was just to get my parents off my back so I could do what I want to do. And, you know, now I'd gotten a girlfriend and she was also just, we were both enabling each other and just like letting, letting each other do like dig around graves basically. And, you know, um, then I was, uh, I was out and at this point, you know, I was almost 21, but still at, when you're over 18, you can still go to bars and stuff. You just can't drink, but you know, that's why I became friends with a bartender or, you know, started going out with a server or a cocktail waitress. And it was just a matter of time before I was getting drinks and getting everybody who I was with drinks. And then I was the Mr. Popular guy because I was, you know, getting drinks for everybody. And, you know, we're all getting drunk and we're all under 21 and life for the party and the center of attention. And that's what I went for for a long time. And I just thought that was the life for me, you know, no future really. But I thought I had the best future. I thought, you know, nobody could tell me nothing. And... You know, uh, then it was, gosh, it was it was a lot of just, like, dead-end jobs here and there. And, you know, I, I got fired from a, a, one job that I was working at, like, as I'd show up and I was drinking before work. And boss smelled it on me, and I got away with it a couple times, but this one time just didn't. And, like, it was just like this. It was... It was so redundant just for year after year after year and just slowly a little bit worse and slowly a little bit worse and lost jobs and lost trust from people who like gave me a chance and people who really saw something in me and I just couldn't even see it for myself. And it was so, so sad. And, you know, I was really just kind of killing myself. And I never really, like, people would say that to me. My mom would say that to me and when she'd be crying and I, I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, Shh, she's just dramatic. Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And it was, that was the life for me. Like, really, that was, I was totally content with doing all that and putting my family through all that. And where my mom was up every night, worried if I was, she was going to get a call, whether I was going to be dead or not. And I know this because she told me this. And I just never used to pay attention to it. And um, it was, like, everything kind of spiraled downhill. I was losing jobs to the point where, you know, I was, um, collecting unemployment for a couple of years and, you know, doing some like bank fraud and doing some like telling banks that, you know, like I, I don't know, like making charges and going over my limit and then telling them, well, I, I didn't make those charges and just lying to everybody and to where I'd get money back and I'd have to like lie and forge these documents and just, just living like a criminal for a long time and having no hope for myself. And it was really, it was some dark times uh, by myself. And, you know, things are so different now. But then, you know, I, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with it. And just being really, like, lonely. And it, it was terrible times. Some some of the worst times I can ever remember. And then in, a little bit later on in life, let's see, when I was about 23, I went um, to a bar just like, any other time, and at this this time, I was um, I was going out with uh, one of the servers. So me and my roommate at the time, and a couple other friends, um, and I, I was also selling pot at this time. And so I took a bunch of pot with me, and I was having people come to the bar, and I was selling them pot from the bar, and then also just getting them drinks too, and just totally illegal, and just it's it was just 
such a mess of people and doing illegal things and the bar could have probably gotten in big trouble for that but um and when we were leaving she was like yeah you got a cab you got a cab ride home and i was like yeah yeah sure and me and my roommate were like yeah you want to like go party after this you want to go to a party or something and so we left the left the bar and he was driving and he uh he crashed into a parked car like an already stopped car and Neither one of us were wearing a seatbelt, but I got ejected out of the car and landed on the left side of my head. And, like, uh, I guess, like, he's, according to the police, he stopped picking up out of the street and then carried me to the sidewalk and then drove off and left me. And this was, like, my best friend, but, you know, at that time of my life with, you know, it was, like, kind of every man for themselves, even though we said oh you're my best boy like we're we're gonna be boys forever and this and this and that like none of that's really true at all we're just enabling each other to keep doing what we're doing and killing ourselves and yeah and so i think that was like my my um ground zero like my 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 worst time ever like the breaking point for me um because yeah like i was in the hospital for like seven and a half months and like i had to learn how to walk and talk again like i i really died and then they brought me back and you know it was just it was terrible and that, like i had physical therapy occupational therapy speech therapy every day for months and months and months for about like the seven months i was there and it's a miracle that i'm still alive you know and while I was there, they had me on um, prescription medication, like a lot of painkillers, and you know, I think that the because I didn't do anything about the the demons that were living inside of me or whatever it may be about like my um, impulsiveness, about my character, like I didn't change anything. Like yeah, that happened, that dramatic accident, that really, you know, I have traumatic brain injury right now. I have, you know, um, I was diagnosed with like a little mild acute dementia. I have seizures. I, I, yeah, I take anti-seizure medication every day. And, yeah, it really screwed up a lot of things. And, you know, that's how strong and powerful this disease is. Um, because even after that accident and seeing, like, my sister came to visit me um, in the hospital and she saw me and she said, like, I look like Frankenstein. She passed out. I was still in my coma at this point, so I don't remember. But she passed out and they put her in a bed right next to me. And... Yeah, my family had to see me like that, you know, like I had a catheter in, I couldn't even, you know, use the bathroom for myself, and when I was leaving the hospital, like, um, my mom was actually driving me around and looking at different hospice places, because I couldn't take care of myself, I couldn't even dress myself, I couldn't feed myself, like, and they did a craniotomy where the right side of my skull was removed to allow my brain to swell, and so in between surgeries, I had to wear a helmet and just walk anywhere I went when I was finally able to walk like I just had a helmet on like no skateboard no bike it was really it was really kind of like a humbling experience you know and even then like yeah it still wasn't enough I feel because um when I got out of there and the doctor cut me off cold turkey from the medicines that I was on like I just started using again I went to the streets and I got you know pot and then like, that wasn't really helping as much as it would have. So then I started doing Vicodin, and then Vicodin wasn't doing anything. And, you know, it was just a matter of time, and I started doing heroin. 
and it was really shitty. It was it was so bad, and that that disease that that was the worst of it all. Like I didn't think it could be any worse than what I was already doing and just drinking myself to death. But you know, then to do this on top of that, and I started drinking again, and you know, it was it was. It was just the disease. It was just everything that I thought I'd given up right back, and it was, it was really hard on my family, and it was really hard on me. I was still lying a bunch, and you know, it, I still just wasn't waking up. I, I just wasn't getting the point, and you know, for many a times at night, I, I would just like cry and just like thought that this was my life, and there, there's something wrong with me. I'm never gonna get it. Like I have no hope for life or anything in life back like I'm I'm not like most people I'm you know and then that's when um that's when I started to uh you know kind of get honest with myself and you know start reaching out and asking for help and that's the thing that really saved my life is the caring people and the people that you know have been in my shoes and the people that have the same experience as me that I've seen and I've seen the transformation. I've seen it happen, and it is like a miracle. And it's like nothing that you can ever... It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done for myself is ask somebody for help. You know, I always try to do it on my own, and it just it, it can't be done on my own. It, for me, it can't be done on my own at all. And it's just... I went, um, I went back into a hospital, and, you know, it's like I went back into a hospital, like... Maybe, yeah, it was about two two years after the accident. I went back to the hospital, and I just got honest with doctors, and they told me about this clinic that I could go to and, you know, that they could help me, and they could help me with the pain, but they could also help me, and, you know, I'd have to go to groups, and I'd have to get counseling. Um, but, you know, I, I'd be able to talk to people and other people, around me or whatever that have been through the same thing and I was like yeah I, I think I've already been through that you know it's probably going to be a bunch of old people and I started judging and you know finding excuses and reasons why I would not fit in and why I couldn't do that at first and it was just the same old me so I kind of had to put my shit aside and I gave this a go and you know like I, I still go to the same clinic <laughs> that I went to uh, then I still go back there and I still talk to some of the people and, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet some great people and I go and talk at high schools and, you know, other people my age and I go and talk in the hospitals from people that have had drunk driving accidents such as mine or, you know, other accidents due to, you know, being too intoxicated, being intoxicated, period. And it's just, it's very rewarding now to be on the other side of it and to be able to, you know, save other people's lives and to feel like I, I'm helping, you know, I'm giving back. And that's like, that's the most rewarding feeling ever. Instead of for one minute of being so selfish where I didn't care about who I hurt or what I was doing and to now be able to help people. But yeah, so right now I've been, I'm coming up, coming up on three years um, clean. And, uh, and then I had some issues still with drinking and really to get off of that, I had to, um, I wasn't able to do that on my own either. Like I thought that I could and really I, I can't. So I, I take uh, an abuse every day, um, 250 milligrams every day, just cause that's what I need to, in order to be 
clean in my system in order not to do it. Because when I do it, when I do any type of narcotic of any sort, it alters my brain and it just changes my thinking, my thinking patterns and everything. It's it's really it's it's insane how strong it is and how how bad of a disease that I have. And you know everyone's different, but for me, I just know what I have to do so I can be clean. I can be a productive member of society, and so that I can you know do the next right thing. You know now I've you know over the past few years I, I went to a vocational tech school and I got MECP certified mobile electronic certified professional I I got to go to a bunch of different car shows and you know help build people's vehicles and customize them how they want and that's something I always wanted to do since I was a kid and so I put myself through that school and I got top gun award I got top of my class and then you know I've gone uh, to one community college in Bend and did well in that class, did, got great grades, and was able to transfer now to PCC, where I'm at now, still getting great grades, and really just doing the best that I can, and doing what I always dreamed about doing, but I always told myself I, that wasn't for me, or I couldn't do that, or I wasn't like that, and just shooting myself in the foot, and just always going after the party, and just always chasing the next, the next cool thing, or the next thing that I thought was so cool, but Really, I've never had a better life than the life I have now where, you know, I can be in a class with these nice these nice guys and we can work on a project together and, you know, also work on spreading the message. And it hits me personally and, you know, being able to be there for all of you who are listening. But, sorry, the story was a little scattered. I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. But thank you for having me. And... Is that it? Yeah, thanks, yeah. Daniel. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's a really right. inspiring story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's home with me. It's just I haven't told my story in a while. It's been a while, but yeah, and I don't really tell the whole story when sometimes when I talk to people. But that was the whole story. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, it's awesome you're staying sober. How long do you have sober now? Yeah, two years and seven months. Awesome. Yeah. Congrats, man. Yeah.